Welcome to Zichu Daf Simani, my name is Avram Goldar, and today we're with Sechus Psachim Daf Yud Gimel. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, it was taught in the Brisa that when the 14th falls on Shabbos, Mavarin is the Komufnea Shabbos. We dispose of everything before Shabbos. Vesorfin Trumus Tameos Tuyos Vetahoros. And we burn Chamis Truma foods that are Tame suspended and Tahor, and we leave over enough Tahor food for two meals enough to eat through the first four hours of the day. These are the words of Elazar ben Yehuda Ishbartos, who said it in the name of Yeshua. The Chami said to him that the Tower of Truma should not be burned, for perhaps people can eat them, will be found. When Belazar said they looked for people to eat the Chametz, but couldn't find them, so there's no point to holding on to it, they replied that perhaps they stayed overnight outside the wall. So he responded that in that case they should not burn the Suffolk Tame Truma, since Eliyahu might come and rule that they're a tower. And they responded that we have a tradition. She'ain Eliyahu that Eliyahu will not arrive at Erev Shabbos or Erev Yanta because of the difficulties it would impose on people who have to interrupt their preparations to greet Eliyahu. Point number two, Rav Nachman said in the name of Rav that the halachas of Yehuda that we suspend the chametz during the fourth hour in that it cannot be eaten but it does not need to be destroyed. The Gemara cites the support for Rav Nachman from an incident with Yochan Echel was given a saddlebag full of chametz as a deposit. When mice pierced the bag Erev Pesach and the chametz was leaking out, he asked Rebbe what he should do and he was told to wait during the first four hours. Rashi explains that the owner might come and eat his chametz before it becomes prohibited. In the fifth hour, Rebbe told him to sell it to the market. The Gemara initially assumes and then confirms that Rebbe meant he should sell it to Nachrim in accordance with Rebbe Yehuda, who holds chametz is prohibited after the fourth hour. And point number three, the Mishnah on Yud Alf Amabay state that two chalas psulos, two pasachalas that were brought with the carbon toda, are placed on the itztaba, a bench on the harabayas. As long as they are placed there, everyone ate chametz. When one was removed, they would suspend chametz, meaning they would not eat it or burn it. When both were removed, they burned the chametz. The Gemara Amun Beis here asked how they became puzzled, and Rabbi Chinina said, Because there were so many Torah offerings brought the day before, they became invalidated by being left overnight. The Gemara goes on to explain that Torah offerings were not brought ere Pesach when chametz is still permitted. We may not expose offerings to a situation where they will become puzzled. So once again, the three points are number one. It was taught in a bright the 14th falls on Shabbos, Mavarin is a Komufnea Shabbos. We dispose of everything before Shabbos. Vesorfin Trumas Tameos Tulios Tohoros. And we burn Chametz Truma foods that are Tame suspended and Tahor. And we leave over enough Tahor food for two meals enough to eat through the first four hours of the day. These are the words of Belazah ben Yehudi Ishbartos, who said in the name of Yeshua. The Chachamu said to him that the Tahor Truma should not be burned, for perhaps people who can eat them will be found. When Belazah said they looked for people to eat the Chametz but couldn't find them, so there's no point to holding on to it, they replied that perhaps they stayed overnight outside the wall. He responded that in case they should not burn the Suffolk Tame Truma, since Eliyahu might come and rule that they're Tahor. And they responded that we have a tradition. She'ain Eliyahu ba'al lo ba'arve Shabbasos, ba'al lo ba'arve Yamitovim Torah that Eliyahu would not arrive at Erev Shabbos or Erev Yantav because of the difficulties would impose on people who have to interrupt their preparations to greet Eliyahu. Point number two, Rav Nachman said in the name of Rav that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, that we suspend the chametz during the fifth hour in that it cannot be eaten, but it does not need to be destroyed. The Gemara cites the support for Rav Nachman from an incident with Yochanan Chakukah, who was given a saddlebag full of chametz as a deposit. When mice pierced the bag, Erev Pesach, and the chametz was leaking out, he asked Rebbe what he should do, and he was told to wait during the first four hours. Rashi explained that the owner might come and eat his chametz before it becomes prohibited. In the fifth hour, Rebbe told him to sell it to the market. The Gemara initially assumes and then confirms that Rebbe meant he should sell it to Nachrim in accordance with Rebbe Yehuda, who holds chametz is prohibited after the fourth hour. And point number three, the Mishnah on Daf Yidolf Ambe stated that two chalas psuos, two puzzle chalas that were brought 
What's the carpentoda? Are placed on the Itzvah, a bench on the Harabayas. As long as they were placed there, everyone ate chametz. When one was removed, they would suspend chametz, meaning they would not eat it or burn it. And when both were removed, they burned the chametz. The Gemara, Ahmed Beis, here asked how they became puzzled. And Rabbi Hanina said, Because there were so many Toda offerings brought the day before, they became invalidated by being left overnight. The Gemara goes on to explain that Toda offerings were not brought ere Pesach when the chametz is still permitted. We may not expose offerings to a situation where they will become puzzled. All right, so now we go to our Sim for Daf Yud Gimel. Our standard Sim is a Bar Mitzvah boy. A Bar Mitzvah boy. So here goes. The Bar Mitzvah boy who ran to the crowd of marketplace Arab Pesach looking for guests to eat his family's chametz bumped into a man with the chametz leaking out of his bag who was peering through his binoculars at the two chalas psulos placed on top of the itztaba. Once again, in slow motion. The Bar Mitzvah boy, Bar Mitzvah boy, that must mean we're on Daf Yud Gimel. The Bar Mitzvah boy who ran through the crowd of marketplace Arab Pesach looking for guests to eat his family's chametz, which reminds us that according to Belezah ben Yehudi Ishbartosa, when the 14th falls on Shabbos, we dispose of everything before Shabbos, and we burn chametz trim of foods that are tame suspended and tower, and leave over enough tower food for two meals, enough to eat through the first four hours of the day. The chametz said to him that the tower trim should not be burned, for perhaps people can eat them will be found. So the bar mitzvah boy who ran through the crowd of marketplace, Arab Pesach, looking for guests to eat his family's chametz, bumped into a man with chametz leaking out of his bag, which reminds us that the Gemara cites the support from Nachman, that the Lachazek of Yehuda, that we suspend chametz in the fifth hour from the incident with Yochanan Chukkah and the Pikadon that was leaking chametz ere Pesach. Rebbe told him to sell the chametz in the fifth hour to Nachrim in accordance with Rebbe Yehuda, who holds chametz is prohibited after the fourth hour. So the Bar Mitzvah boy who ran through the crowd of marketplace ere Pesach, looking for guests to eat his family's chametz, bumped into a man with chametz leaking out of his bag, who was peering through his binoculars at the two chalas psulos placed on top of the itztaba, which reminds us that Rebbe said that the two chalas psulos placed on the itztaba were puzzle, mitokshe yamurubos nipsalos bolina, because there were so many toda offerings brought the day before, they became invalidated by being left overnight. The Gemara goes on to explain that toda offerings were not brought ere pesach when chametz is still permitted, she'em levin kachim we may not expose offerings to a situation where they will become puzzle. So once again, the bar mitzvah boy who ran through the crowd of marketplace ere Pesach looking for guests to eat his family's chametz bumped into a man with chametz leaking out of his bag who was peering through his binoculars at the two chalas psulos placed on top of the itztaba. All right, now it's time for our four blah back hazara. Daftes. So the simple daftes is a teapot. So here goes. The chul that spotted jumping out of a teapot. Teapot? That must mean we're on daftes. The chul that spotted jumping out of a teapot leaving some chametz behind, which reminds us the next Mishnah states that We're not concerned that a chul that dragged chametz from house to house or from place to place within the house. The Gemara says that this implies that we're not concerned for the possibility. But if we do indeed see a chul to bring chametz into a place that was already searched, then we do have to search again for the chametz in that area. The Gemara asks on this, Why does another search have to be done? We should assume that the chul that ate the chametz. The Gemara brings a proof to this concept from a Mishnah that said, the Gemara brings a proof to this concept from a mission that says that if a chulda enters a place where there might be a dead body buried there, we can assume that he ate it. Rabbi Zerah answers, This one, the mission of discussing a dead body, is meat. And this one, our mission that discusses chametz, is bread. A chulda completely finishes eating meat and leaves nothing over, but does not completely finish eating bread and leaves some over. Since a chulda leaves over bread, we have to search again if we see it bring chametz into an already checked area. So the chulda spotted jumping out of a teapot leaving some chametz behind, didn't find the guarded chametz in the closet. 
Which reminds us, on this of the Mishnah states, we're not worried that a chuda will drag a piece of chametz from a non-checked area of the house into a checked area of the house. The Gemara asks that at the end of the Mishnah on Daf Yudam, and basically we learn, the chametz that one wants to leave over after the search for chametz, in order to eat it, he needs to place in a guarded place, so that he will not need to do another bedika, meaning that if one didn't place his chametz in a guarded place, we are concerned that a chuda would take it, and then one would have to do another search in his house. If so, why did our Mishnah say that we're not worried that a chod will bring chametz from a non-checked area of the house into a checked area of the house? Abai explains that on the 13th, when there's chametz in every house, a chod that doesn't hide the chametz that he has, because it's not worried that it will run out of food, and on the 14th, when the chametz is not found in every house, the chod that does hide the chametz. Therefore, on the 14th, we are concerned that the chod that took away the chametz and hid it. Rav and Rav Mari give two other answers. So the chod that spotted jumping out of a teapot, leaving some chametz behind, didn't find the guarded chametz in the closet. So he took some chametz from a pile next to matzah and scampered into a neighbor's home that had not yet done a badika. Which reminds us, the Gemara discusses a case of one pile of matzah and one pile of chametz. And there are two houses there, one which was searched and one which was not. Two mice came and one took from the pile of matzah and one took from the pile of chametz. And each one entered a different house. We don't know which one entered which house. The Gemara says that this is compared to a case of a bryce that says if there are two baskets, one full of chon fruit and one full of fruits of truma, and next to them are two containers, one holding fruits of chulon and one holding fruits of truma, and each one of these containers fell into a different basket, then we assume that the chulon fell into the chulon, and the truma fell into the truma. So too, in our case, we can assume that the chulon with the chametz dragged it into a house that was not checked, and the chulon with the matzah dragged the matzah into the house that was checked. The Gemara concludes that the Rabbanan were lenient because both cases involved the Rabbanan. Truma nowadays is a Rabbanan, and Bidika's chametz is a Rabbanan. Daf Yud. So the similar Daf Yud is a minion of Yidin. So here goes. The minion of Yidin. Minion of Yidin. That must mean we're on Daf Yud. The minion of Yidin. Who couldn't find the chametz the mouse brought into their check shul? Which reminds us, the Gemara Daf Tess on the base and our Daf discussed the lachas for seven situations of chametz. The fifth case was al ubadeth v'lashkach. If a mouse went into a search home with chametz and the owner searched his house and didn't find it, the law can be derived from a malchus between Mir and the Rabban as it's learned in the Mishnah in Nida regarding a case where a pile of stones containing tuma from a corpse became confused with two other piles of stones that were tahor. If all three piles were searched and still no trace of tuma is found, Mir said, Anything that has a chazok of being tame is always assumed to be in its state of tuma. Until it becomes known to you where the tuma is. The Chamim say, He should search until he reaches a layer of rock or virgin granite, and if the tomb is not found, he may assume it's no longer there. Rush explains that he may assume a raven or a mouse came and removed them. In the case of Chametz, even Rebbe Meir would agree that the house need not be searched again, since the requirement is only the Rabbanan. Rashi explains that we can assume the mouse ate the Chametz. So the minion of Yidin who couldn't find the Chametz the mouse brought into their check shul, emergency dialed the Chametz busters who came with their ladders. Which reminds us, Rava asked in a case of Kikar Bishmekar, a loaf of bread which is on top of the beams of the ceiling, Sarach Sulam Harido or Ain Sarach. Does one need to get a ladder to take it down or not? Do we say that the Rabban do not require a person to get rid of chametz that's so high up as no one will accidentally eat it, or maybe it might fall and then someone will eat it? Rava asked further that if the Rabban were indeed concerned in the above case, what's the lacha if a loaf of bread is in a pit? Does one need to get a ladder to get it out? Do we say that the Rabban do not require that, being that it will not come up on its own, or, or maybe someone might go into the pit to use the bathroom, and when he sees it, he'll eat it? Rabba's last question is, what is the luck if the loaf of bread is in the mouth of a snake? Do we say that one's required to hire a charm who can get the bread out of the snake's mouth, 
Or do we say that the Chamin did not require one to spend money on doing the search for Chametz? The Gemara leaves these questions as a take. So the minion of Yin who couldn't find the Chametz the mouse brought into the Jack Shul, an emergency dialed the Chametz busters who came with their ladders on the morning of the 14th at the time of Biur. Which reminds us, the next mission states, Rabbi Yudah says, Botkin or Yudal, Rabbi Yudal, Shachris Vishasa Biur. We need to search for Chametz on the night of the 14th of Nisan, the morning of the 14th of Nisan, at the time that we burn the Chametz, which is during the 6th hour of the 14th. The Chachamim say that if one did not search for Chametz on the night of the 14th, then he must do it on the 14th, and if he didn't check on the 14th, he needs to do it during the Moed, which Rashi explains to mean during the time that we burn the Chametz, meaning during the 6th hour. And if he did not do it during the Moed, he needs to check after the Moed up until dark. The Gemara concludes that the correct understanding of the Mishnah is that Rabbi Yudah really agrees to the Chachamim that a person is only required to search for Chametz one of these three times. The only argument regarding searching after the Chametz prohibition goes into effect. Rabbi Yudah holds that he can't do it any longer, as a decree against the possibility if he were to find chametz, he might come to eat it. Whereas the chamim hold that he may still do it after the time of burning the chametz. Rashi explains this is true only on the afternoon of the 14th, when the chametz is forbidden, but not yet subject to a penalty of karas. So the simon dafyodov is stars, like the 11 stars in Yosef's dream. So here goes. There were so many dazzling gold stars, stars, that must be where in Yudalov. There were so many dazzling gold stars hanging all over the marketplace of Yerushalayim, full of flour and roasted grain, which reminds us. The Gemara explained on Daf Yud on the base that the reason that Rabbi Yehuda holds that one cannot do Bedika once it becomes forbidden to eat Chametz, because of a decree against the possibility that if you were to find Chametz, he might come to eat it while handling it. The Gemara asks that we have another Mishnah from Menachem that states that after the Karbana Omer was brought, the markets of Yerushalayim were already full of flour and roasted grain from the new produce. It's evident that the flour is harvested, ground, and sifted before Pesach. Rabbi Meir said that the Chamin did not approve that people had prepared the produce before the carbon omer was brought because they might have eaten it. Rabbi Yudah said that they did approve of this. We see that according to Rabbi Yehuda, we are not concerned that one will eat something forbidden while he's busy with it. Abaya answered, A person is detached from Chadash since he's not accustomed to eat from it all year and therefore not in the habit of picking some up and putting it in his mouth. Without thinking, a person is not detached from chametz, and therefore we are concerned that a person will eat it without thinking after it became prohibited. Two other answers were given. So there were so many dazzling gold stars hanging over the marketplace of Yerushalayim full of flour and roasted grain that people couldn't tell if it was the fifth hour or the seventh hour, which reminds us the next mission of states, where Mer says, Ochlin kol chametz that one may eat chametz the entire fifth hour of the 14th of Nisan, and one must burn it at the beginning of the sixth hour. Rashi explains, that even though the rice of Chametz is permissible to eat the entire sixth hour, the abundance forbidden because people might make a mistake and think that the seventh hour is the sixth hour and eat Chametz. But the Yudah disagrees and says, Tolin kol Chametz, we suspend Chametz during the fifth hour. Rashi explains that this means that although one may feed Chametz to his animals during the fifth hour, he may not eat Chametz during this time. Rashi explains Rabbi Yudah's reasoning that we're concerned that it will be the seventh hour and one will think that it's the fifth hour and eat chametz. So there were so many dazzling gold stars hanging all over the marketplace of Yerushalayim full of flour and roasted grain that people couldn't tell if it was the fifth hour or the seventh hour. And witnesses to a murder testified it occurred on different days. Which reminds us, the Gemara brings a Mishnah from Sanhedrin in order to eventually introduce a difficulty with our Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah states that if one witness testifies that someone killed a person on the second of the month, and a second witness testifies that he killed on the third of the month, he do some kayamas, their testimony is upheld. The reason is that we assume that they're testifying about the same event, just that the witness who says the second day of the month was aware that the month before him was 30 days, and the witness who testified the third day thought that the previous month was 29 days. However, if one testified that it happened on the third of the month, and the other testified that it happened on the fifth of the month, a Jews and their testimony is disqualified. As Rashi explains, it can't be that a person was two days off 
in their count of the day. Dafyud base. So the Simran Dafyud base is 12 brothers, 12 brothers. So here goes. The 12 brothers, 12 brothers, that must mean we're on Dafyud base. The 12 brothers who owned a diner who were peppered with seven questions, which reminds us, the Gemara brings a Mishnah from Sanhedrin Daf Mem Amanah that states that in regard to witnesses who testify that they saw someone kill, the court would check the trustworthiness of each witness with seven questions about when and where they saw the killing. During which Mitzah cycle, which year of the Shemitah cycle, which month of the year, which day of the month, which day of the week, which hour of the day, in which place? These questions are in a category called Chakiros. There are other questions, Chabadikos, which Rashi explains are such questions as, what did he kill with, a sword or an axe? The Gemara on Ardav asks what the practical difference is between Chakiros and Badikos and answers that regarding Chakiros, if one witness answers that he doesn't know, their testimony is disqualified. Because it's testimony that cannot be refuted through Hazama. Since the second set of witnesses will be unable to prove his testimony was false by testifying he was somewhere else, at the time of the crime. If one of the witnesses cannot answer one of the bedikos, their testimony is still accepted, since their testimony can be refuted through Hazama. Rashi explains that whether the accused was wearing black clothes or white ones has no bearing on the time and location of the offense. So the twelve brothers who owned a diner who were peppered with seven questions about the patrons who came for breakfast throughout the morning, which reminds us, the Gemara brings up rights that list the times that different people eat in the morning. The first hour of the day is when a cannibal tribe called the Ludim eat because they're gluttons. The second hour is when thieves eat, who are also gluttons, but get up later since they're up at night. The third hour is when inheritors eat, since they do not have to work. The fourth hour is when workers eat, because they have to carry out their work first. The fifth hour is when Talmud Chachamim eat, since they're busy learning, they should wait until the last possible time. The sixth hour is when all other people eat. The Brisa concludes, One who eats past this hour is like one who throws a stone into a leather sack. Rashi and Shabbos and Duff Yud Amanov explains this to mean either that it's harmful to the body or that it's not harmful to the body, but it's not helpful either. Abai said this was stated only the low time he when he did not eat anything at all in the morning. However, if he ate something in the morning, this doesn't apply. So the twelve brothers who owned a diner who were peppered with seven questions about the patrons who came for breakfast throughout the morning recognized the picture of the suspect, but some said he came before Nate's, and others said he came at the beginning of Nate's. Which reminds us, Rav said that the Mishnah Sanhedrin regarding a discrepancy in testimony was only taught by shows, regarding discrepancies in the hours of the day. However, if one witness testifies that he saw someone kill before the rising of the sun, and one witness testifies that he saw the person kill after the sun rose, Edus and Betela, their testimony is disqualified. The Gemara asks that this is obvious since people do not get confused between these two time periods. The Gemara changes the wording to Aba Echad Omer Kodem Anetzachama, Ve'echad Omer Betoch Anetzachama, Edus and Betela. However, if one witness testifies that he saw something before the rising of the sun, and one witness testifies that he saw something during the rising of the sun, which Rashi explains to mean at the beginning of the sun's rising, their testimony is disqualified. The Gemara says that this too is obvious, and then clarifies that one might have thought that they're saying the same thing, and the one who said it occurred at Nate's was present at the glow before sunrise, and it was merely a radiance he saw, and he mistakenly thought the sun was already rising. Rav Simbarashi is coming to say that no one would make such a mistake. All right, now it's time to go to our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which doctor learned why Rabbi Yudu was concerned that one might come to eat hummets after the Bidika, but not Chadash before the Omer was brought? That's on Duff. Yudolf. Good. Number two. Which stuff do we learn the different times that people eat in the morning? That's on Duff. 
Yud Beis. Good. Number three. Which stuff do we learn? The Gemara leaves the question as a take. If one needs to climb up a ladder to remove chametz from a ceiling beam, that's on Duff. Yud. Good. Number four. Which stuff do we learn? Four reasons why a candle is used for the bedika and not a torch. That's on Duff. Ches. Good. Number five. Which stuff do we learn? If one eight testifies that an event took place before Nate's and the other one said it occurred during Nate's, their Adas is battle. That's on Duff. Yud Beis. Good. Number six. Which stuff do we learn? A chuda leaves over some bread and doesn't leave over any meat. That's on Duff. Test. Good. Number seven. Which stuff do we learn? Because when Erev Pesach falls on Shabbos, how much Tahor Truma should be left over? That's on Duff. Yud Gimel. Good. Number eight. Which stuff do we learn? The Rimer says Chamas becomes forbidden with the Rabban from the end of the fifth hour, and Yud says at the end of the fourth hour. That's on Duff. Yidav. Good. Number nine. Which stuff is it that we learn from the incident of Yochanan and Chukukah? The Rebbe holds, like Yehuda, the Chametz becomes prohibited after the fourth hour. That's on Duff. Yud Gimel. Good. And number ten. Which stuff do we learn? If one witness testifies a murder took place on the third of the month, and the other says the fifth, the Edus is Batal, it's nullified. That's on Duff. Yud. Excellent. That concludes our pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Goldman Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.